You're listening to Packers Talk Network. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your guaranteed authentic tickets from theticketking.com, a longtime trusted source and local Green Bay business. Just go to PackersTalk.com slash tickets for more information and ticket links. That's PackersTalk.com slash tickets. Talking Pack. I pride myself each week on delivering a clever opening. Something witty. Something that pulls you in right away and gets you excited for what's to come. But then, Baker freaking Mayfield comes to town and puts up a 158.3 passer rating. Which is perfect. Which also has never been done before by a visiting quarterback in the history of Lambeau Field. And well, my friends, even I'm at a loss as to what should be said about that. And with that, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Lemp's Talk and Pack. I'm your host, Chris Lempesis, coming to you once again from my basement Packer room, my home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here to break down Green Bay's, no, seriously, Joe Barry will not be back. 34-20 loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday at, again, Lambeau Field. Wouldn't it be funny if that was just the show? If it had just been the opening, if I just said, and well, my friends, even I'm at a loss as to what should be said about that. Done. Like, you're checking your phone, and you're like, oh, hey, the new episode of LTP is available. Oh, hey, why does it say it's only 35 seconds? And then you turn, and you're like, holy shit, that really was all he said. That was the whole show. Uh, Could you really blame me? But boy, I'll tell you what, life sure comes at you fast in the NFL, doesn't it? Two weeks ago, we're sitting here. The Packers had just defeated the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. Epic win! They'd steadied themselves finally at 6-6. Quote-unquote, easy schedule the rest of the way. The future could not look brighter. And now, just two short weeks later, well, it's grown considerably darker, I'd say. This season, if this season was a roller coaster, it would be the Devastator. Okay, there's, and this is probably an extremely obscure reference that like five of you are going to get. But if you ever watched the legendary HBO show, Mr. Show, with Bob Odenkirk and David Cross, who I think people know because of what they did after that, right? Bob Odenkirk was on, he was on Breaking Bad, I think. I know he was on Better, he's been on Better Call Saul. And then David Cross was on Arrested Development, has been in a ton of things. But I'm not sure if everybody knows that they originally came to fame doing that show on HBO called Mr. Show. Anyways, they do a sketch about a roller coaster called The Devastator that features a 15-story drop, spine-cracking 90-degree turns, and then the grand finale is two whole minutes underwater. And look, it's dark. It's hilarious, but it's dark. Because not everyone survives. In fact, people keep dying on this roller coaster. And the local officials are just clueless. They have no idea how to stop this roller coaster. Look it up on YouTube. I'm telling you. it's Because, you know what? That's the Packers season so far. They are the devastator. That's what, that's what this has been. And on a related note, let me take a drink of Miller Lite. Oh, God. 
Miller Lite, I'm going to need you tonight, baby, maybe more than ever to help get me through this one. This is going to be a brutal game to discuss. Oh, oh, please don't let me down now, Miller Lite tall boy. With the loss, Green Bay dips to 6-8 and eight on the season now. Woof, still good enough for third place in the NFC North. Whatever the hell that's worth. They remain a game, plus the tiebreaker behind the Minnesota Vikings, who gagged away a win to the Cincinnati Bengals on the road on Saturday, losing in overtime 27-24. Shout out to the Bengals. They remain a game, plus the tiebreaker ahead of the last place Chicago Bears, who, speaking of gagging, <laughs> blew a 17-7 fourth quarter lead to the Cleveland Browns on Sunday, losing 20-17, that one in Cleveland. And the Detroit Lions have just about wrapped up the division title, improving to 10-4 now as a result of their 42-17 blowout win over the Denver Broncos in Detroit on Saturday night. Man, I don't know if you all had a chance to see that one, but the Lions were really pouring it on at the end. It was like, I don't remember if it was fourth and goal. It was fourth down. They were inside the 10. I'm pretty sure of that anyways. Uh, they were up 18 was just over two minutes left. They went for it, and they were throwing Goff through a touchdown pass on that fourth down play. Which again, I guess that's one way to do it. Holy shit. Not like I can say anything. At least they beat the Broncos, something Green Bay couldn't do as we all know. Uh, as for the playoffs, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. I just hope we can win a game. The obligatory Jim Mora, which felt appropriate at this moment. The Packers, well... They took a pretty big tumble in the playoff standings after this loss, falling all the way from 7th and in to 11th and way out. They're looking up at the 6-8 and eight Atlanta Falcons, who obviously own the tiebreaker on them. The 6-7 and seven Seattle Seahawks, who host the Philadelphia Eagles tomorrow on Monday Night Football. And then the Vikings, LA Rams, and New Orleans Saints, who are all 7-7. Seven and seven. The Rams and Saints winning their respective contests on Sunday. The Packers have the tiebreaker with L.A. and New Orleans, but they'll probably need to win out just to have a chance. And if we're being honest, even that might not be good enough. And hey, how about the Saints, huh? Holding the Giants, what was it, six points? Sacking Tommy Cutlets seven times? Apparently Tommy Cutlets is not the second coming of Jesus slash Joe Montana slash Peyton Manning slash Michael Vick. Who knew, huh? I sure as hell didn't. Before we get into the fun, and how could you not be having fun already? I already referenced The Devastator, which again, look that sketch up on YouTube. It's dark, but it's funny, and it really describes this Packers season well, I think. We have to do the shameless self-promotion, which I know you love, or at the very least, tolerate Twitter. Lamps, M-K-E, at It's Just Chris Now. It'll always be Twitter to me. Facebook, All Bag of Donuts, O-L Bag of Donuts. Instagram, Lamps Talk and Pack. And look for my logo, which is the green donut that I know you all love so damn much. And the email, olbagadonuts, olbagofdonuts at gmail.com. And again, you can write in during the week. You don't have to just write in after the games are over. Write in during, write in during, write in during the week. There we go. Let me know what you think of the show. Where are you listening from? All that good stuff. What do you think of the team, the future of the team? All that good stuff. I'd love to hear from you. For anyone listening on the wonderful Packers Talk iTunes page, leave a rating. Five stars, me like you those the most, four are good too. No one's going to leave a comment. I don't even know why I'm saying this, but you could. I mean, it's the holidays, you know. You could leave a positive comment. No one has in weeks, months at this point, but you could leave one. Again, especially if it's positive, but what you think of the show. 
That might be nice. That might put some wind back in my sails after this horror show that it, that we all watched on Sunday. Oh, burp. First burp. Got to keep it real. Seven and a half minutes in. Uh, you can find us on Spotify by searching for Packers Talk and looking for our logo, which is the head of the Vince Lombardi statue, which sits outside Lambeau Field. Can't even imagine what Vince thought of this one. Watching in the afterlife. Hopefully, he had something else to do today. Because I'm sure he would have been disgusted had he watched. Uh, and you can leave a rating on Spotify. If you subscribe on Spotify, which if you're listening on Spotify, you should be subscribing. Right near the top, there's a little box with a star. Click on it. Five stars again. Me like those the most. Four good two. And the more ratings, you know, it all helps with the algorithm. The more ratings, the better. It all helps with the algorithm. Helps Packers talk at better placement. So when people are like, hey, I'm a Spotify user. I want to find some new Packers podcasts to listen to. So they search for Packers podcasts. They see us. Hey, what are these guys and gals about? Oh, and then they tune in. Then they fall in love with us. And that's how that works. We're on iHeartRadio on the iHeartRadio app as well. And as always, if you listen on a platform I don't mention, let me know what that is. I'd love to know. And just subscribe. What do you have to lose? It's free. And if you're already subscribing, tell a friend. Tell a Packer fan friend who's maybe not subscribing to us that they should. Right? It's a great gift for you to give them. It costs you nothing, and they went out big time. Right? That's a big time get for them. They get that gift. Because the whole world gets opened up to what we're doing here. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying you should just mindlessly mash down, tell other people to do as well. That's just my advice to you. And yeah, the Packers game sucked. But you know what doesn't suck? Can you hear it? I'm in the new chair, baby. That's right, everyone. As mentioned last week, we hit the goal. We hit the chair fund goal. So I ordered the chair on, Was it? I think it was Monday or maybe Tuesday. Either way, it got here yesterday, Saturday. And I am now sitting in it as I talk to you. Oh my lord, it's so much more comfortable. There's actual padding for my ass. Memory foam padding for my ass. I can swivel. I got armrests. This thing has it all. And that is because of you. Those of you who donated. We cleared the target number by just about 25 bucks. So I took that overage and donated it to the Milwaukee Diaper Mission. Which if you don't know, the Milwaukee Diaper Mission was founded by Milwaukee Bucks superstar Giannis Antetokounmpo. And his fiance Mariah Riddlesprigger. It is a nonprofit organization that empowers families in need by providing a reliable source of diapers and period supplies. Felt like they were very worthy of the donation. Felt like that was something everybody could kind of agree on. Uh, and I can never thank those of you who donated enough. I really can't. But tonight, throughout the show, I will be sprinkling in the thank yous as we move along. Okay, now that we done got all that out the way, let's go, let's dive it right in. Oh Christ, do we have to... Yeah, we do. Let's talk about this Packers L. Hey, no, really, everyone. Joe Barry's time is almost up here, L. That's why you say it, say it that way. You just kind of say it like L. No more joking around. No more screwing around about him still coming back. He's really going to be gone soon this time. No, no, man. This season was a developmental year, a rebuilding year, whatever the hell you want to call it. But next year, that is not going to be the case. Matt LaFleur is going to have to win next year, or he could be in trouble. You know, at the very least, he'll be entering 2025 on an extremely hot seat, especially with a new team president in place at that point, remember? It was easy for him to keep his pal Joe when that wasn't the case. But if he is in must-win territory, oh yeah, 
it'll be way harder to hang on to his buddy Joe. Yeah, way, way, way harder. So hard, in fact, that I bet you he won't do it. Again, I'm almost positive Joe's contract is just up at the end of the season. So it probably just won't be renewed. I doubt he's fired tomorrow, even though I can't totally rule that out. But I know he won't be back next season. I don't care what you say. I don't give give a shit what snarky response you have for me on social media. He's gone. He's gone. It's over. It's over, man. And as for where I'm going to start tonight, why? Let's start right there. Right fucking there. Let's divert a little bit from the usual beginning, which would likely be about how Jordan Love performed. And let's talk about the sad, shameful, pathetic, pitiful showing turned in by Joe Barry's defense. In fact, you know how this first part of the show is my thoughts, is usually my thoughts on the offense, and then the defense, and then the special teams, and then the coaching, I mix it all up. This was such a disaster Sunday, the entire first part of the show is going to be all about Joe Barry. I'll get to love and all the other stuff when I take your questions and comments. Now, oh yeah, it's all about Joe. It's all about Joe tonight, baby. At least this first part. How could it not be? Now, depending on how old you are and how long you've been a fan, you've seen any number of bad defensive performances from the Packers over the years. I myself have, as you probably know by now, been a fan since the late 80s, right? 89 was the first year I really, really got into it. So I've seen quite a few of these. And what we witnessed Sunday was, to my eyes, one of the all-time worst single-game showings from a Packers defense ever, especially in terms of pass defense. Let me say that again. Let me be crystal clear so there is no doubt that was one of the all-time worst single-game showings from a Packers defense I've ever seen. No, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that. It really was that awful. In fact, that may have been one of the worst pass defense performances by any team in the league in recent memory, recent history. It has to have been. I mean, it was a disaster. Tampa Bay punted once all afternoon. Once. That punt was brilliant. That was a mind-bender. Brilliant punt bounced and basically died inside the five. Uh, And as I mentioned in the opening, Baker freaking Mayfield, perfect passer rating, 158.3. Again, the first time that has ever happened at Lambeau for a visiting quarterback with a minimum of five attempts. Shout out to CBS Sports for that. Think about all the great quarterbacks that have played at Lambeau Field, that have stepped foot on the Lambeau Field turf as the opposition in the history of that, that, you know, iconic stadium. What Mayfield did today has never been done before by any of those quarterbacks. Like, just let that soak in. I'll give you a second to let that soak in. Because that feels like a great place to start, doesn't it? Mayfield, 22 of 28, 381 yards. This next one, 13.6 yards per attempt. 13.6 yards per attempt. Holy balls. You know, like anything over nine. Like nine and up is considered like really good. 13.6 is like not even in this solar system. It's so good it's like in the stratosphere and it's discovered a whole new solar system. That's how good that is. Four touchdowns, no picks. Of course you didn't throw any picks, you crazy bastard. (laughs) You out of your mind? (laughs) And yeah, it was balanced too. Check this out. Here's Mayfield in the first half. 12 of 14, 187 yards, one touchdown, no picks. Second half, 10 of 14, 194 yards, three touchdowns, 
no picks. So even after, if you're scoring at home, even after he ripped them up in the first half, Joe was not able to adjust, was not able to do anything about it at all. Or maybe he didn't want to. As he stuck with the zone coverage, even though Mayfield crushed it to the tune of, get ready for this, 20 of 24 passing for 361 yards and three scores. Also, he threw a touchdown pass to all four levels of the field for the third time in his career, the most of any QB since 2016, all of that according to next-gen stats. So yeah, 361 of his 381 yards passing came against his own defense. Would man have worked any better? I don't know. We'll never know because Joe couldn't be bothered to switch it up, could he? No, he sure couldn't. I swear to you, I have never seen more open and wide open, I mean comically wide open, pass catchers in my entire life in a single game. And on that note, here's some more fun courtesy of Next Gen Stats. Chris Godwin gained a season high of 155 receiving yards in Week 15 versus the Packers. Godwin caught 7 of 8 of his open targets, 3 plus yards of separation, for 98 yards. His most yards on open targets in a game... Since week 12 of 2019. Yeah. 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 Again, let those numbers from next-gen stats soak in. How do the Packers drop so many men in coverage, yet none of them cover? Riddle me that, Batman. Zones have weak spots, yes. But the entire Packers' pass defense was one big weak spot Sunday. That's not how zones are supposed to work, Joe. Oh, my God. I got to take a drink of water. Let's pause quick for a couple of quick thank yous. First thank you, Chair Fund thank you, to Nick, my fellow Greek down there in Indiana. Your donation was incredible, sir. It's what put us over the top. I can't thank you enough for your contribution. You rock, and I'm definitely looking you up if I'm ever in Louisville. Yasu! Kyle, who used to have Twitter, got rid of it, got it again, and got rid of it again. Your donation was also amazing. I was wild when I saw it. Shout out to you, and I suppose shout out to Tucker Craft as well, who won you the bet that allowed you to contribute. So yeah, back to the back, pause over now. Back to the off the the, the uh, you know wonderful Packers pass defense performance. I mean, there was just no resistance at all. You could probably count on one hand with fingers left over how many times they actually brought the corners down on Tampa's receivers. I only noticed it a few times myself. Nope, most of the time they were content to give their customary 8-10 to 10 yard cushion, which of course Mayfield took advantage of. Far too often there was Preston Smith or Devondre Campbell who, quick aside, I hate to, make, I hate to commit some gopher-on-gopher crime here, but Campbell's cooked. He's finished. It's over for him. Yeah, he's washed. It's done. Um, you know, those guys in coverage on Mike Evans or Godwin, which of course again... Mayfield took advantage of. That was criminal, frankly. That's the thing that makes... And, you know, that's the thing overall that makes me so furious. They were just playing catch out there most of the time. It wasn't like Mayfield did anything spectacular. He didn't have to. They made it so easy for him all damn day. How many blitzes did Joe even call? Did he call any on third down? Speaking of third downs, those were especially infuriating Sunday, weren't they? As the Bucks were a cool 7 of 11... On the day, on third down, 8 for 12 if you factor in fourth downs, which, why not? Just guys wide open all over the joint on third downs. And even when Tampa didn't go downfield on third down, the Bucks still found success. 
The most egregious, oh, this is the most sickening example of this coming on Tampa Bay's first drive of the second half, right? Third and 12 at the Green Bay 46. All right, third and 12. Let's get off the field. Tampa runs a simple little wide receiver screen to the left to Godwin. That's all it was. A little wide receiver screen to the left of Godwin. And he's still able to weave his way through traffic for the first down. Oh my God, how? How? Why? How does that happen? How do you give that up on third and 12? I lost my mind when that happened. I know I'm not alone on that. That drive ends with Mayfield finding running back Rashad White on a simple short wheel route with White. Hey, speaking of weaving, White weaving his way through defenders into the end zone for the 26-yard score. PAT good, and it's 20-10 Tampa Bay with 10.55 to go in the third. I don't know about all of you, but for me, I think that was the exact moment when I knew it was just it was going to be really tough for the Packers to win this one. That touchdown was the moment for me, you know? You could just feel it like they're just not going to be able to get stops at all today, are they? They didn't adjust anything at halftime. Like, it's just, it's going to be really tough to win this game. You knew it was going to be an uphill battle after that. And there was more. You know, they struggled again defending the run with any consistency, especially in the second half. Especially right up the damn middle. But that was a problem most of the day, really, I'd say. Uh, It wasn't all Mayfield. Tampa finished with 452 total yards on the day. Which is tragic when you consider how mediocre that offense is. And how mediocre Mayfield has been the last few weeks. Communication. Why is that still an issue? Why is communication still an issue with this defense? Why are guys constantly like running off and on, you know, running off the field, running onto the field, pointing at each other, acting confused about where they're supposed to be or where they're supposed to line up? How is that still happening this far into the season? This far into Barry's tenure as defensive coordinator? How is this bullshit still happening? I don't know, but it is. I mean, what we saw Sunday was right up there with the worst of Easy Ed, Donatel, Bullet Bob Sanders, Dom Capers, Mike Pettin, and indeed, even Barry himself. Right up there with getting ripped apart by Eli Manning and Colin Kaepernick, respectively, in the divisional round. Right up there with getting gashed on the ground by San Francisco in the NFC Championship game. But hey, those last three examples, at least those were playoff teams, right? Those were playoff games against really good teams. This next one fits a little better. It's even more embarrassing than what we saw from this group just six days ago against DeVito and the Giants. If you didn't think that was possible, well, again, Joe Barry makes the impossible possible in the worst way. And you know what? It could have even been worse on the scoreboard. But White pulled up on a long run in the middle late, uh, pulled up on a long run up the middle late, there we go, giving himself up instead of taking it to the house in order to run more time off the clock. That he showed mercy somehow made the moment even more sad and pathetic for the Packers' defense. One last kick in the ass on a day that, whether it comes tomorrow or at the end of the season, will mark the end of the Joe Barry era in Green Bay. No, there's no coming back from this. Take a nice big drink of Miller Light there. Oh my god. Woo, that was fun to recap, wasn't it? Okay, so those are my main thoughts on this one. Again, all about Joe. It had to be on a day like this. There were other issues, but I mean, come on. It was all about Joe Barry and the defense. So let's see what you all have to say now. I know you all got thoughts. So let's open the bags, all the various mailbags right now. But first, some more thank yous. David P., your donation was extremely generous. I can't thank you enough for your support. Bill, a.k.a. Omaha Badger. Thanks so much, man. Oops, second burp. 
you've been a longtime supporter, and that means so much to me. Apologies for the perp. <laughs> and then Andrew D, your note, we must protect this ass. <laughs> was hilarious. Thankfully, it's protected much better now, in part due to your donation. And then Steve K, you actually donated twice, which that was extremely cool. No one else did that. So thank you so much for your two separate donations. All right. Let's get to all the comments and questions now. Twitter, all that other good stuff. Let's start, in fact, with Twitter. And our first one, these are no particular order, come from, this first one comes from one of my former Old Bag of Donuts podcast co-hosts, one of my bestest friends in the world, Adam Summers, brew crewer at A Summers underscore time. He writes, I had to take a few hours and watch the Bucks to decompress. Disagree with those who say that they can't fire Barry because no one to call plays. There's a great championship-level tactician unemployed right now that we all know and love, Mike Budenholzer. (laughs) I'll hang up and listen. I didn't see this until just now. Bud? You're calling for Bud to run the defense? I mean, I guess the Bucks did, did have usually... They had pretty good defenses with Bud, right? That wasn't really what sunk him in the playoffs a lot of the time. Uh, <laughs> and he does have a ring. You're right about that. Um, and I think Bud I think Bud might still be in Milwaukee. I saw him not that long ago in the third ward. I was going to pick up my glasses at my um, eye doctor. And I saw Bud. He was on a corner. He looked tan, rested. He was talking to somebody. He was laughing. He seemed to be enjoying. Well, why not? Well, how much did the Bucks pay him to go away? Hell, I'd be enjoying life if I was getting paid to do nothing, too. Um, Billions, especially. So, yeah, I I didn't see that one coming. But, But yeah, you're right. I mean, they could fire. I know people keep saying, back to Barry. People keep saying, like, well, they can't fire Barry because who's going to... I know, I keep saying that. Well, I mean, it's only for a few weeks. So, it wouldn't really matter who's calling the plays. (laughs) It's only going to be for a few weeks until they get somebody else in there. So, they definitely could fire Barry. I don't see it happening... Just because he is LaFleur's buddy and there's only three weeks to go in the season and we are a week away from Christmas, it would be kind of tough sledding. I just think it would be t- it's tough to imagine LaFleur firing his friend who he's obviously stood up for time and time again like with three weeks to go in the season a week before Christmas. Uh, does that does that strike you as something Matt LaFleur would do? It doesn't for me. But thank you for that, buddy. That was a good laugh. Our next one comes from Justin Cornwell at Justin A. Cornwell, longtime friend of the show, going back to the Podbean days. Thanks again, Justin. He writes, The defense was so bad, it's making it hard to analyze the offense as well. Love was up and down, but he sure as hell didn't play bad enough to lose by two touchdowns. I want Matt LaFleur as head coach still, but if he doesn't fire Barry by January, then I will be on the fire LaFleur train. Okay, well, again, I'm almost positive they won't have to fire Barry, his contract is just up. I think coordinators traditionally sign three-year deals, and this is the third year of the Barry era. So I don't think they have to fire him. I think it's just not renewing his deal. I want to just say that. Again, I don't have total clarification on that, but I'm almost positive that's the case. And I heard from others on Twitter Sunday who said that they thought that was the case as well. So I don't think they have to fire him. So let's talk about love. Uh, Jordan Love. 29 of 39, 284 yards, 7.3 yards per attempt, two touchdowns. And then he lost two touchdowns, no picks, but he did lose the one fumble late. What to say about Jordan Love's performance? 
Okay, overall, it was not bad. But when you look at how bad Tampa's pass defense was, and is, you know, is and was coming into the game, it wasn't good enough. No, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't good enough. You're right. Now, you make an interesting point. Did he play, he didn't play, he sure as hell didn't play bad enough to lose by two touchdowns. That's probably true. But did he play well enough for Green Bay to win the game? I would say no. You know, he really only led the Packers to 13 points. Remember, seven came off the Kingsley Enigbari strip sack that put him at what, like the four yard line or the five yard line? Um, After they went for the fourth down and didn't get it more on that in a minute. But so really the defense set him up perfectly for seven, basically gave him seven points. So he really only leading Green Bay to 13 points against that defense. That's not the Tampa defense of old that we remember, you know, when like Brady was there. Ah, I wouldn't say that was good enough. No, you know. Uh, he made some nice throws. A number of nice throws to Wicks and and Kraft. And the touchdown to Jaden Reed. I mean, that was incredible. On the move, just slinging a dart to the back corner of the end zone. Great catch by Reed, too. But the mechanics, again, I, I thought seemed off. Some odd decisions. For example, the throw to Aaron Jones on the third and nine at the Tampa 22. Right, just kind of flips one out to Jones in the flat. Jones was never going to get that first down. He was well short. Packers end up settling for a field goal there. And speaking of that, you know, they were only 2 of 5 in the red zone, just like Monday night. Love just not, he's not getting it done in the red zone. I know no Watson, no Musgrave, but he's not getting it done there. You know, that last drive, down 34-20 with, what, 5 minutes, 6 minutes left. Love does a nice job. They go tempo. Nice job quickly getting them into Tampa territory. They're moving fast. But then the third and 10 at the Tampa 30, he's under heavy pressure, just kind of throws one downfield. I believe it was Melton and what double coverage. That was a questionable decision. And then the fourth and 10 again, under heavy pressure, but doesn't even give anybody a chance to make a play. Sacked and fumbled, and then that was the ball game. So I didn't think he was bad overall. You know, I, I said on the, you know, I said after. The game on Twitter, I didn't think he was good enough. And man, people came after me. I wasn't saying he sucked. I wasn't saying he was the reason they lost the game. Obviously, he's not the reason they lost the game. Because I spent 20 minutes talking about Joe Barry and the freaking defense. This isn't on love. But was he good enough to win the game? No, I wouldn't say he was either. No, so. It's not his fault, but, he, you know, for the most part. But he does play a part. Two disappointing weeks in a row for Love. You know? Things were really trending. I mean, they were trending into the stratosphere after the Lions game, after the Chiefs game. And now the last two weeks, he's come back down to earth. And that's kind of, you know, the roller coaster continues for him. He's great to start the year. Then he's bad. Then he's great. Now he's, you know, he's taking some steps back. So it's it's definitely not what you wanted to see. It's not what you want to see after where he was after the Chiefs game. But So I... Yeah, you know, it's, again, he wasn't terrible, but, again, you look at Tampa and the Giants last week, for him to not play well enough for them to win either of those games is frustrating. And it's disappointing, and it shows that he still has a ways to go in his development. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. So thank you for that, Justin. Our next one comes from Elon is an idiot at JollyBond72. He writes, not watching or financially supporting the Packers until Barry is gone. If Matt LaFleur can't do it, then he needs to go too. Well, um, I can't go that far. I'll keep watching no matter what. 
but I understand the frustration. And again, and if that's the case, Jollymon, I don't think you'll have to wait more than a few weeks because Barry is not going to be back. I'm just going to keep saying it. Joe Barry is not going to... There's no way Matt LaFleur could... Go go listen to his presser. Listen to the tone LaFleur had in talking about Barry after the game today. Listen to the tone he had in talking to Larry McCarron for the Packers.com web exclusive thing after the game. It was different. He it was It was his tone when talking about Barry and the defense was different than it's been. And again, like I said earlier, LaFleur is going to, if this team doesn't make the playoffs, hell, even if they do, he's going to go into next season, there's going to be some heat. Maybe not a lot, but there's going to be some heat. He has to win next year. You know? And again, he may not get fired after next season, but if he doesn't win next year, he's going to go into 2025 on an extremely hot seat because there's going to be a new president. And you would have to think the new president is going to be inclined to bring in, you know, their own guys. Especially if things aren't working. So, you know what I mean? And it's Again, LaFleur can hang on to his pal Joe when it doesn't matter. But now he's going to, it's a must-win situation going into next season. Do you really want to ride with Joe Barry in that case? No, no. I, I can't imagine LaFleur will want to ride with Barry in that case. You know? Friendship or not, right? It's it's these guys are about keeping their jobs, first and foremost in the NFL. So I, I again, I really Barry will be gone after this season. I don't think it'll be tomorrow. It wouldn't surprise me totally if it was tomorrow, but I think it's more likely it's the end of the season. So yeah. So thank you for that, Jolly Mon. Our next one comes from Packers. Make me drink at Michael Todd three. Cheers to that. He writes, sorry for my mental health. I just can't because I said any questions, comments, concerns, you know what to do. That's how I sent out the tweet. He said, sorry for my mental health. I just can't. Hey, I understand that, Michael. You know, I understand a game like today being extremely frustrating as a fan. I mean, when they gave up the one touchdown to, was it more when he caught the short little pass and basically two defenders, like he split two guys and they like fell like the two stooges and took off for the, was it 48 yard touchdown? In the fourth quarter, I mean, I took my hat off and I was slamming my hat against the coffee table and threw my hat down. I mean, I get it. I, I Hey, I blew a gasket on that play. I, I'm guessing I'm not the only one on that specific play, but I know I'm not the only one who blew a gasket just overall watching today. Because there's just no reason to turn in that type of performance against this team. And for Joe to not switch up anything. You know, again, never brought the corners down. Never pressed. Never got aggressive. Never really blitzed Mayfield consistently. To just sit back soft and passive and let Tampa just run a train on you. Over and over again. It's just, it's unacceptable. So I get why you don't have anything else to say. I get it. I don't blame you. So thanks, Michael. Our next one comes from Philip Voss at P underscore Voss. He writes, Joe Barry not fired. This is the most worthless, gutless front office organization that will continue to accept incompetence. See Drayton, Maurice, and Capers Dom. I'm so fucking sick of it. Well, I can't blame you, Philip, for being sick of it. I am too. Uh, yeah, they probably do accept incompetence longer than they should. Capers being a prime example. Capers probably should have been fired four or five or six years before he actually was. Um... 
Menanga hung on longer than he should have. His special teams coach under Lafleur, Petten hung on longer. Though I think I still maintain Lafleur was forced to keep Petten for his second year, and I think he wanted to fire him after year one in the San Francisco NFC Championship game run game debacle. But he was stuck. He had to keep him. I think that came from the top. So yeah, they do have a history of letting guys hang on longer than they should. That's true. I mean, even McCarthy. Probably should have been fired a couple years before he was, a year or two. So, I get it. You know, same thing with Barry. Barry should have been fired at the last... Yeah, they do have a history of hanging on to guys too long. When they have a proven track record of incompetence. I can't argue with you on that. Um, It's really frustrating. Because we can see it, and when these guys keep their jobs year after year, you go, do these guys see it? Because I don't, I don't think they see it. But we do. So that's incredibly frustrating. I get that. You know, I have no arguments here. So thanks for writing in, Philip. Our next one, or is this our last Twitter one? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Our last one comes from BPED at Brian Peds. Brian writes, Offense is going to be fine in coming years with health and continued development of the wide receivers. Best thing that can happen at this point is lose out and land a top five pick. Okay, well, I think the offense is going to be fine. We may disagree a little bit. Here's the thing. I'm going to say this again because I said it on the show last week, but I want to say it again tonight. How much more congested did the offense feel today? How much more difficult did it feel for the offense without Watson? It felt a lot like it did Monday night, right? Just a lot tougher to move the ball. You know, things were open, but they weren't open as consistently as they were when Watson, especially those last two weeks against the Lions and the Chiefs, when Watson was really starting to to gel with love. Okay, so I think the offense is going to be fine if Watson stays healthy. Here's the problem. Like I said on the show last week, Watson has not shown an ability to stay healthy. Do you really want, because I've already seen it tonight on Twitter and some people going, oh, they don't need to take a wide receiver. They're not going to draft a wide receiver. Someone said they might not take a wide receiver at any point in the draft. Do you really want to hinge the offense, the ability of the offense to really be open and have the whole field open? Do you want to hinge? Do you want that all to hinge on on Christian Watson staying healthy? Like I know Watson has said he's he thinks he and his people have pinpointed the problem, which is he needs to strengthen his back. That'll put less you know pressure on the hamstrings will allow him to avoid those hamstring injuries. But do you really think he's going to be a guy who can consistently stay healthy? I have my concerns. So at this point, I do think the offense, I do think Gutekunst needs to be looking for another big-time wide receiver in the first round. Yeah. Now, the offensive line needs help too. But, you know, at this point, I just, without Watson, without Musgrave, it just felt so congested today. And... I just think they need another... I just think at this point, they need another wide receiver. And it looks like it's going to be another really good year for wide receivers in the draft. So, I would be looking... I don't know if they will, but I would be looking in that first round. One of the guys from Washington, or Keon Coleman from Florida State. But I still think they need one more wide receiver. Because, again, I just... I don't think you can bank on Christian Watson staying healthy. I don't know if he's ever going to be that guy. So, but if they stay healthy and they can add to that group, yeah, I think the offense has a chance. You know, they they bolster the offensive line a little bit. I think they'll have a chance to be quite good. Um, Is it the best thing for them to lose out at this point? Probably. 
and get a top five pick. I don't want that, though. I think the... Now, I'll say this. If they lose the final three games, but Love looks really good in all three games, that's one thing. Because the most important thing at this point, with three games to go, is not making the playoffs. It's Jordan Love. It's for Jordan Love to, to turn in a strong closing argument in these final three games. That's more important than anything else in the final three games for the Green Bay Packers. He needs to turn in a strong closing argument to show, without a shadow of a doubt, I am your guy. I deserve the extension. The four for 160 was 75 or 80, the Daniel Jones deal. And I deserve to be the guy going forward. That's the most important thing in these final three games for the Packers. Now, if that happens and they lose, that's okay. But if they lose and love plays poorly, <laughs> now we got a problem. So, yeah, but thank you for writing in, Brian. That was cool. All right, so let's go. That is, that's Twitter. Let's go to the Twitter DMs. I do have a couple here. First one is from Kyle Truax. I don't know why this is doing this again. Kyle, what is it about when you send stuff that it, like, scrolls on me? All right. At Kyle Truax, he writes, Lemps. It's more than apparent that this coaching staff is not adequate enough to win meaningful pro football games. Remember back like a month ago when Preston Smith was caught covering a wide receiver and every same Packers fan was like, what the fuck? Remember that? Well, I think teams have caught on to that shit ever since and are now exposing us time and time again. Do you also think Matt LaFleur realizes this buffoonery and may perhaps tell Joe, get your LinkedIn account set up, Barry, that this is unacceptable? Fuck Joe Barry. And Matt LaFleur... Good Lord, he continues to be a roller coaster. That cool, new, shiny roller coaster that was fun and exciting, but now just makes you throw up. If I recall, late in the first half, it was like third or five and six, and instead of calling timeout, they had three. When the play clock was dwindling, the Packers took a delay of game penalty, punt, and give up points. Why didn't Matt LaFleur call timeout? What the hell is going on here? I'm done. Just done with the staff. All of it. J-Lo will be fine, and they have a good group of skilled people around him to win games. But they are a select group of individuals, but there are a select group of individuals that need to be shown the door. And one person very much on the hot seat going into next year. Yes, this season is over. Crazy to think just two weeks ago that this squad may have had the potential to make the postseason and make it interesting. Unfortunately, that just ain't the case anymore. Hopefully the pack can kick the Bears' ass and we can all end the year on a positive note. Cheers, dude. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you for that, Kyle. I will do my best. All right, lot to unpack here. Um where should we start? Uh, yeah, let's talk about that delay of game because that was really bad. Let me scroll back up to my notes here for that. I, I don't have that in my... Let me find that here. Where was that? Okay, so third and six at the Tampa 49. Right. The play clock is dwindling. Love is behind. He's going like this. He's behind Myers clapping. Snap the goddamn ball. Myers doesn't. Okay, first of all, Myers needs to snap the ball there. If he's not going to, Love needs to call timeout. If Love doesn't, LaFleur needs to call timeout. A complete failure from the operation, from everybody on that. They're all standing there holding their ass. Clock runs out. Now it's 3rd and 11. <laughs> and you just knew when it was 3rd and 11, it was like, that's it. That was the drive killer, and it was. Love goes over the, goes over the middle to read. It's well short of the first, and they end up punting. Yeah. That was bad. That probably took points off the board. That looked like a promising drive. You know, they get the big gain on the defensive pass interference call. The DB hooks Reed. 
They're really, you know, the drive started, that was after that incredible punt that I talked about earlier, the drive that started inside their own five. But they're moving the ball, they get near midfield, it's starting to look promising. You're right, that delay of game just killed it. That was really bad. I don't know why he didn't call timeout, because they had all three left. (laughs) There wasn't that much time left in the first half. I don't know what he was doing there. You're right, that was a total failure by LaFleur and Love and Myers. All of them failed on that. That was really bad. That was an abysmal moment for the Packers, you know? Um, so yeah, a lot of other good stuff here. Thank you for writing in, Kyle. Uh, I don't know if they can't make the, again, if they win out, they'll have a good shot, I think. But yeah, they're probably going to have to win out anyways. So yeah, thank you for that, Kyle. All right, our next one comes from Rob over there in the UK. Rob Gardner, number 58 at not so little Rob. What's going on here? Why is it doing this? What is going on with the Twitter DMs? Oh, I hate this website. All right. He writes, Lamps, I'm going to need a new TV if I see Joe Co. the clown on my screen during a third down one more time this year. And I hope you donate your own stool, your old stool, so he can feel the pain that we are in. <laughs> Goodson had four screen passes thrown to him all season, and guess what? Two was in this game alone. It felt like the Falcons game all over again, so I think the NFC South has schemes to beat us. But we as a team... Just do not know how to adjust during a game. And that's a coaching problem and not a personnel issue. Well, Goodson, I think you mean Godwin. But yeah, I know what you mean there on the screen pad. I did not know that he only had four thrown to him all year and two were today. Um, and then he writes, there's a Joe, <laughs> he sends me a, Joe, a Fire Joe Barry website. That's nice. Sure, that'll get some pub. And then what is the Wikipedia page you sent me? I, uh... Oh, here we go. Uh, someone updated Joe. Oh, someone updated Joe's Wikipedia page. Joe Barry is an American football coach who is a defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers and is the absolute worst coordinator ever to breathe in Green Bay history, due to him playing twenty yards off the ball every play and ineffective run defense his grandmother could run through. <laughs> Shout out to whoever did that on Wikipedia. Um, so thanks, Rob. A lot of good stuff to send in here. Uh. Yeah, I'll tell you what, if I give Joe my old stool, he will feel the pain that I no longer feel because I'm in this comfy chair now with the memory foam under my butt, which is fantastic. Oh, a lot of good, a lot of good stuff here. You know, let's talk about the Wikipedia thing. I think there is an argument to be made. I was saying this to my wife over dinner tonight. I think there is an argument to be made that Joe is probably, he has to be, in the top three, but I think he might be the worst defensive coordinator in the history of football. There's a really good chance that he is. He is that dude. He is him, as the kids say. Right? He was the coordinator for the 0-16 Lions back in 08. Then he somehow gets another job, was in Washington, and he was no good there. Then he goes to Green Bay, and he's he's been mostly terrible here other than a couple of spurts. I think there's a case that Joe might be the worst defensive coordinator of all time in the history of pro football. Again, he has to at least be in the running because what we've seen is just terrible. I mean, even last season, you know, they had that little run towards the end of the year. At least then they were beating up on the pinata. They were bashing the pinatas, which we all thought was going to happen this year too, right? We're like, after the Chiefs game, it's like, they got mostly pinatas the rest of the way. We'll bash those like we did down the stretch last year. Playoffs, here we come. They're not even bad. The pinatas are bashing them. That's what's happened the last two weeks. So he might be the worst defensive coordinator of all time. 
That's definitely in play. Absolutely. So thank you for that, Rob. And uh, thanks for the money you sent me for the beer fund. I'll get some. I'll get some good beers with that for the show. For the chair fund that I'm gonna that we've decided mutually to turn into the beer fund. All right. Let's see. That's Twitter. The Twitter DMs. Right. Yup. So let's go to first. You know what? Before we go to Facebook, let's mix in some more thank yous. Vic S. Your hashtag. Hashtag save Lemp's ass. <laughs> made me laugh. Well, it made me laugh my ass off. This chair will definitely help save my bum. So thank you for donating. Matthew Y. Your comment made me laugh. I probably would have bought the hotel bathroom chair if I thought it would have fit in the car on the way back to Milwaukee. But I knew it wouldn't, so I didn't. Jennifer, you said a while back you donate, and you did. Thank you, you rock. Larry M., I I enjoyed your note with the donation. We definitely got the chair fund dub. Thanks in part to your support. Okay, so we got those. Now, hold on a second here. I'm trying to juggle a lot of different things. So we got Twitter and the Twitter DM, so let's move on to Facebook. All right. Again, you would think I would have this up, and I don't. Switch. All right. Our first one comes from Sean LaFond. Sorry for that. Dead air. He writes, It is certainly festivist season for Packers fans, and I am happy to kick things off. One, fire the inbred Dingleberry. I love that that's catching on, Dingleberry. If this loss wasn't enough to leave, tell Joe to clean out his stuff. If this loss wasn't enough to leave, to tell Joe to clean out his stuff tonight, the Giants offense and Tommy Cutlets that shred. Let me start this over again. Sorry, it's tough as shit to read on goddamn Facebook. Fire the inbred Dingleberry. If this loss wasn't enough to tell him to leave and clean out his stuff tonight, the Giants offense and Tommy Cutlets that shredded the Packers defense last week was soundly defeated by the Saints and scored zero touchdowns. Why did Dingle Dick start sitting up in the booth this year? Hasn't he always been on the sideline? LaFleur throws the challenge flag like a spoiled child who just lost in Madden. Three, Jair Alexander's back. Four, Preston Smith in coverage. Five, Packers special teams. Six, Packers defense on anything more than third and ten. Shit. Oh, and anything related to Aaron Rodgers. All right, so a lot to unpack here. You guys sent me a lot of stuff with a lot to unpack in each one of your messages tonight which I kind of expected. All right. Uh, Joe's not going to be around much longer. Don't worry. Um, Talked about Tommy Cutlets, how the Saints kicked his ass earlier in the show. Now, the challenge, like, now he challenged that, but I actually thought that was a good challenge. I thought Jones got the first down. Um, So I can't blame him for throwing the the flag on that. I actually thought that they were going to win that one. I was surprised they lost. It still looked to me like Jones got the first down, but what do I know? The Jair Alexander thing, it's frustrating because, you know what, it, I mean, if, you know, they could have used him today. Sure feels like they could have used him today, right? Even if he wasn't at 100%. Someone joked on Twitter after the game that Jaws on strike until Perry gets fired, which, who the hell knows, but, um, you know, you see all sorts of stuff with Jair about, oh, is he unhappy in Green Bay? Is he asking for a trade? I don't think it's any of that, as far as I can tell. I think it's as simple as, Ja got hurt earlier in the year, tried to play, played like shit, and has basically decided, I'm not playing again until I'm 100%, or damn close to it. 
Because, look, man, I was at that Rams game. I mean, he was... There were moments in that Rams game he was really struggling. He looked like an old man running in cement. You know? That Pittsburgh game, too, he didn't... That he he was struggling. Did he play in that Pittsburgh game? I feel like he did. And he struggled in that one, too. Either way, I know he played the Rams game because I was at it and he struggled. Um, I think it's that simple. I just think it's he hurt his back and he hurt his shoulder and he's just not... Like, he says it's the shoulder at this point. So, he hurt something. Let's go with the shoulder. And he's not going to play again until he's 100%. You know? Which on one level I get, but on the other hand, I'm like, who is 100% at this point in the NFL season? Like, I kind of thought he was going to play today. You know? And I haven't been mad at him throughout this whole thing until really this morning when I saw the inactives. And I was, for the first time, I was kind of pissed at him. Like, the guy's been practicing! How can he practice every week for the last, what is it, three, four weeks? And not play? Like... Like, job, buddy, I get it. You want to be 100%, but you're the highest paid corner in the game, or one of them. Nobody's 100%. Like, you got to get your ass out there and play, man. So it's frustrating. I am frustrated with Alexander. I agree with you. The first for the first time, you know, and I'm wearing his I'm wearing his jersey as I record the show tonight. But I'm frustrated. You can hey, you can love someone and be frustrated with them. And I am with Alexander. Um and, yeah, you know, some other good stuff here, which I talked about. Yeah, and it wasn't just that play to Godwin. How many times did Tampa have first and 15, second and 29, second and 20? And they ended up getting the first down on all those sequences. They still ended up getting the first down. The Packers defense was it was just shit through and through. There's another area. I'm glad you brought that up because there's another area where they were shit today. On all the end long stuff. So, yeah. Thank you for that, Sean. All right, our next one comes from... My buddy Daniel in Vancouver, he writes, Baker Mayfield is the first visiting QB at Lambeau Field with a perfect QB rating. Just saw that, and again, this is on the defense, and not because he is good. Wow. Well, thank you for that, Daniel. I know you wrote in some other stuff during the game, but um, I'll just go with this thing you sent after the game was over. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously it was the I mean... That is such a shocking statistic. Such a shocking factoid. How could I not lead the show with that? That Mayfield did that today. All the great quarterbacks, all of them. Elway and Manning and and did Montana play? I think Montana played at Lambeau. I know Steve Young did. And Tom Brady and all these other great quarterbacks. <laughs> you know, Mahomes. Mayfield did something that none of them could do. It's incredible. It's incredible. And it is on the defense. Because you're right. He was, Like I said, he wasn't doing anything special. It wasn't like he was like spinning away from rushers and like setting his feet and throwing darts 40 yards across the field. It was just pitch and catch. It was just, you know, see open receiver, hit open receiver. Any quarterback could have done what he did today. Any quarterback worth a shit? Absolutely. So, yeah, I agree with you, Daniel. So, thank you for writing in. Appreciate that as always. All right, that's Facebook. So Twitter, Twitter DMs, Facebook. Let's go to the emails. There are, spoiler alert, quite a few. All right. Hold on. Here we go now. Our first one comes from Tim. Right? Hold on. Yes, Tim, who writes, Lamps, week in and week out on our defense, when you do what you always do, you get what you always got. Same old shit with the same old result. <laughs> same old shit with the same old shit result. Our season is over now. 
Just fire the prick and send a message for next year, Tim. Well, yeah, I can't argue with you, Tim. You know, the Packers just, it's funny that uh, my buddy Adam wrote it mentioning Budenholzer because there's a quote from Budenholzer that still haunts me. He said this to CBS Sports in an article written about the Bucs. I actually think it might have been the year they won the championship. So that year it worked out. But Bud said, we just kind of do what we do and hope it works out. And, you know, it worked out that one year, but every other year for Bud it didn't, and that's why he's out of a job. But I was thinking about that today with regards to Barry because I feel like Barry very much shares that philosophy. Like, I don't care what they do. We do what we do, and we just kind of hope it works out. Um, Because they didn't change anything. Again, they didn't change anything. There was no, they didn't put any sort of increased importance on blitzing Mayfield more. No importance on like not giving up 8 to 10 to 11 yard cushions. They didn't bother to bring the cornerbacks down more than a handful of times. You know, then look at the one time they did when they had Valentine all over, was it Evans? He came up with a nice pass breakup. The rest of the time, given the cushion, playing soft, like didn't change anything. These NFL offensive coordinators and quarterbacks, they're so smart. Like, if you don't change anything, they're just going to pick you apart. They're just, you know what I mean? And that's what Mayfield did today. Oh, you're going to give me the cushion? Well, then I'll take it. <laughs> and I'll eat you alive. And that's what he did. Unbelievable. Um, Again, would I fire Barry? Yeah, I would. But I would have fired Barry at the end of last season if I was Matt LaFleur. Um, I would fire Barry. I don't think he's going to just because, again, they're friends. It's like a week before Christmas. There's only three weeks left in the season. I think LaFleur is just desperately trying to, because he's such a nice guy, right? Everybody says that about LaFleur. I think he's just desperately trying to hold on and get to the end of the season so he can somehow say, we're not firing him. We're just not renewing his contract. I just, that's the vibe I get. That's the feeling I have inside about him. Because even though, you know, I'm kind of contradicting myself, but a little while ago I said the way he talked about Barry after the game was different than it, it has been. That is true, but I, I, I kind of expect LeFleur to come in tomorrow and go, you know, make excuses, go, well, you know, guys weren't where they were supposed to be. We missed tackles. There were plays there that weren't made. Like, just kind of, even though he's furious with Joe, just make enough excuses for him and cover to get to the end of the season so he doesn't have to fire his buddy. That's kind of the way I feel LeFleur is going to handle it. But maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. So thank you for that, Tim. Our next one comes from Kyle, who refuses to get Twitter, Kyle Trepenning. He writes, I put this loss squarely on the entire coaching staff. Matt LaFleur has got to go as well. It was his direction to hire this shit rag of a defensive coordinator to begin with. It was his idea to bring him back after last season. And he's still sticking with him despite the absolute pile of shit he's been all year. Even if firing him wouldn't change things much, it would at least show us that he understands Barry as a problem and is at least trying. But he isn't. He cannot for the life of him pick coordinators, and now he won't fire one because they're butt buddy. Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't know if I'd go with that one. That's not super appropriate, but okay. Um, And I still haven't forgiven Matt LaFleur for not getting the team prepared for games earlier this season. I really think this team needs an entirely new coaching staff at all three major positions. Okay. <laughs> Again, I don't know. But Buddy's not really super... That's not really appropriate. Not, I don't know if I'd say that. It's not cool, but... Um, oh, let's see. 
All right. Um, where to go with this? Well, I, I disagree with you that Matt Lafleur has to go. I don't think, I don't think he has to be fired, and I don't think he will be fired. To be honest, I just, I don't think they're going to fire him, even if they miss the playoffs this season, because it's all going to be, you know, well, he'll he'll kind of use Joe as the sacrificial lamb. That and the, this was a rebuilding year, a retooling year, first year with a new quarterback. Hey, Rodgers didn't make the playoffs his first year. You know, they went 6-10. and ten, And he'll get a pass. So I don't think he'll be fired, and I don't think he should. I think LaFleur should get one more year at the very least to see what he and Love can do in year two, more experience with the receivers, maybe some additions to receiver, a bolstered offensive line, some more health, etc. Um, But you're right. It was his decision to bring back Barry. That's not... You know, and that was a failure. That was a, that was a tremendously dumb decision to bring back Joe Barry, who should have been fired last year after the Week 18 debacle against Detroit at home. Um, it was his fault. And if he keeps Barry, and if somehow, if for some reason they sign Barry to an extension, then anything anybody wants to say about Lafleur as far as his job security, I'm with it. As far as him maybe being on the super super hot seat, I could, yeah, I'm with it. But I just don't see that happening. If they sign Barry to an extension, they would go into next season. LaFleur would be on the hottest of hot seats. If he brings Joe Barry back, not only brings him back, it gives him a new contract? No. Then if they don't win next year, he will be out of a job. Yeah. Regardless of whatever the team president situation is, he'll be fired. I can't see LaFleur pinning all of that. You know what I mean? Like Joe Barry being the horse he wants to hitch to his wagon. I just can't see it. So, but you're right. He has struggled picking coordinators. It's been, and I I do think in the end, if LaFleur doesn't make it more than a couple years, that may end up being his, his downfall, is his inability to pick coordinators. Like, even if Love turns out to be pretty good, or really good, if at the end of 2025 it doesn't look like it's still happening for the team, LaFleur probably will be out and it probably will be because... He failed a time and time again at picking the right coordinators for both defense and special teams in particular. So I agree with you. Um, yeah. And, and you know what? And, and the special teams thing is going to be interesting too because this is year two for Rich. Highest paid special teams coach in football. Does he deserve a third year? Probably not at this point, but would the organization, which is notoriously not you know, willing to do such things, would they pay him money to go away? I don't know if they would. So uh, would I get rid of Rich at this point? I might, but I think he'll be back next year too. So so thank you for that, Kyle. All right. Um, our next one comes from Philip, who writes, what was the downside of firing Joe Barry last year? Are you sensing the trend here? There's no way Matt LaFleur thought he was average or above. The worst thing that can happen is hiring someone of equal ineptitude. All right, well, thank you for writing in, Philip. What was the downside? Well, LaFleur would have had to fire his friend. Which I'm not defending it, but I think that's a big part of it. I think people... I don't know if if, if every fan... And I'm not saying you in particular, Philip. But I don't know if, like, a lot of fans fully kind of understand that so much of pro football is not about wins and losses as far as who gets hired and who gets fired. So much of it is about friendships 
and being buddies with people and the old boys network and the old boys club. And you know what I mean? Like, it's not just about who you know and all that stuff. It's not what you know, it's who you know. That stuff all applies in the NFL. Like, you know what I mean? In a normal job, yeah, Barry probably would have been fired at the end of last season. But the NFL is not normal. And he and LaFleur are buddies. They're good friends. I think that was part of it. And I also think once it became clear that Rodgers was going to be gone and Love was going to come in, then I think LaFleur really thought, well, what? that doesn't make any difference. Again, we're not going to go to the playoffs or win the Super Bowl anyways, probably with Jordan Love in his first year. We'll just keep Barry. I don't have to fire my friend. We get one more year to see if he can figure it out. And if he doesn't, then I can just not renew his contract. And we're okay. Which is kind of shitty for us as fans. But I think that's the, the reality of the way a lot of this stuff works in pro football, unfortunately. Um, the worst thing that can happen is hiring someone up. Yeah. Well, and that might happen if they let Barry go. I think we're all terrified that Brandon Staley, who just got shit-canned in L.A., is going to be the next defensive coordinator because he's friends with the Fleur. You know? As much as we want it to be someone outside the box and cool like Al Harris, who's done a great job with the DBs in, in Dallas. Or even someone like Jim Leonard. You know? Former D coordinator at Wisconsin. I think we're all kind of like, oh God, it might end up being Brandon Staley. <laughs> I think we're, a lot of us are afraid of that. I know I am. So, yeah. Thank you for that, Philip. Our next one comes from, so there's Tim, Kyle, Philip. Our next one comes from Rich. Rich who writes, So, this season I've always seen as a developmental year. And on that level, at least on the offensive side of the ball, it has been a success. We know what we need and what we can stand pat on. Playoffs were always just a long shot. But this loss, unfortunately, pretty much locks in two unfortunate things, which will cause extreme temporary distractions next season. First, I would bet a lot of money that HBO will have will be coming to Green Bay for Hard Knocks. Oh, HBO will have coming to Green Bay for Hard Knocks as their choice is one, two, and three. Second, I think this pretty much locks in a visit by the Jets and one Mr. Rogers to Lambeau. All right. Well, thank you, Rich. Rich, you tend to be kind of a... I like when you write in because you tend to kind of be a voice of reason. You know? I want to be that, but I'm guilty sometimes... No shit, if you listen to the show. I'm guilty sometimes of getting a little too high or a little too low. You tend to kind of be a voice of reason with regards to the team, and I, I do appreciate that, so thank you. Um, You're right. We do need to kind of step back. It sucks that they're not... They're probably not going to make the playoffs at this point. Or at least they have a very minimal chance to. When two weeks ago, it looked like they had a great chance to. Like, they were a lock to make the playoffs. But we have to kind of just remember where we were back in August when it was like, did you think this team was going to make the playoffs? And we're like, no. (laughs) So, we didn't think that back in August. Well, I did. I'm guilty of thinking they were going to win the division because I'm an idiot. But I think a lot of people thought they weren't going to make the playoffs. So, for most fans, it's like, I didn't think they were going to, and they're not going to. So, that's the way it is. I'm disappointed because I thought they were going to. It looked like they weren't. Then it looked like they were. And now it looks like they're not going to again. So for a brief moment there, I looked like I was in the end going to be right. Now, not so much. So I'm a little disappointed. But but you're very reasonable, and I appreciate that. Um, yeah, you know, I had a lot of people saying that to me on Twitter and, and saw a lot of people saying that on social media about the hard knocks thing. I guess the Packers don't have a choice now. 
if I'm getting all this correctly, that like HBO can pick them, they become exposed to be picked for Hard Knocks. Which, the second they are, HBO, of course, is going to snap them up. Because they know everybody. The Packers are not just a nationwide team. A public team, to use a gambling term. They're a worldwide team. And they know that everybody around the world, people around the world are going to be tuning in to watch them on Hard Knocks. Absolutely. So I, I would think you're right that if they become available to be picked, they absolutely will be picked. And yeah, it pretty much locks, you're right, this pretty much locks them in to third. And... And yeah, Rogers coming to Lambeau, which will be a circus sideshow. But you're right; that'll those will be two temporary distractions next season. So good stuff. Thank you, Rich. Our next one comes from Ed, my buddy Ed. Great to hear from you. He writes. He titled his email "Pathetic," which is true. He writes, "Hello, Chris. The last two games were tough to watch. The Packers' performance today reminded me of last December's loss against the Lions." A lot on the line, and the Packers don't show up. Where is the fight and urgency in this team? Why does Joe Barry play these middle-of-the-road quarterbacks like John Elway in his prime? Also, why does Joe Barry's defensive scheme make these middle-of-the-road quarterbacks actually look like John Elway in his prime? How does Matt LaFleur stick with this guy? Love the show, as always. Go Pack Go. Best, Ed. Well, thank you for writing in, Ed. Thank you for your kind words about the show. Um, Yeah. There was some some similar DNA to that Lions game last year, wasn't there, today? Just very... Because this felt like... I mean, this was the biggest game of Love's career so far, absolutely. And this was a must-win, or close to it, as far as the playoffs go. And you're right, there wasn't a lot of fight and urgency from the team, was there? A little bit from the offense early, certainly none from the defense to find, other than maybe Kenny Clark, who I want to single out Kenny Clark here quick, because, you know, Kenny Clark was outstanding in this game. Right? What did he have? Two sacks? Was all over the place. He had a nice game. Man, Ness had another sack. He continues to come on strong. Uh, Wyatt, and then obviously Enigbari with the great strip sack, and then he recovered the fumble to set up the Packers for their first score. But other than a handful of guys, yeah, it didn't feel like there was a lot of fight from the defense at any point in the game. And the offense felt like the urgency kind of came and went. So I agree with you. Probably not as much punch or zip as they needed to show for 60 full minutes. Um, why does Barry play these middle of the road quarterback? Barry just plays it. His whole thing is, is just play soft. Keep everything in front of you. Don't get beat deep. Which again, I get at some points mixing stuff like that in, but if that's your whole scheme and your whole thing is giving these massive cushions and, and putting linebackers on wide receivers, quarterbacks just take advantage of that every single time. As soon as you saw, you know, um, Evans lined up on Preston. Or as soon as you saw Godwin lined up on Campbell, right? Or Preston lined up on Evans, Campbell lined up on Godwin. You knew Mayfield was going to take advantage of that. You could just see it. You go, that's where he's going to go with the ball, and that's where he went with it. Of course he did. He'd be a fool not to. Baker Mayfield's not an idiot. He's not great, but he's not an idiot. So I can't believe it. He just... He's, he has a scheme and he doesn't want to change anything and people have figured it out through and through. It's terrible. Which is the same reason why I think he makes these guys all look like John Elway in their prime. My first game at Lambeau, October 10th, 1993, right? Packers, Broncos, Sunday Night Football on TNT. It used to be on TNT, kids. My first game at Lambeau was watching the Packers play John Elway. Baker Mayfield was better today than John Elway was in that game in 93. It's incredible. Um, 
And he sticks with this guy because he's his friend and he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to fire him. But pretty soon he's going to have to to tell him it's over. So thank you, Ed. Our next one comes from Kyle. Who refer- You know what? Hang on a second here. Let's pause. Let's get to a couple more thank yous. Are these the last of the thank yous? I think they are. Um, Andrew slash Ziggy, thank you for your longtime support. That's awesome that you've been listening for so many years. I really appreciate that. Thank you for your donation. Lucky, you were actually the first person to donate. So thanks for kicking this thing off in style, kicking the chair off, chair fund off in high style. And then Sean from Plover, yes, this will help my ass tremendously. Thank you for donating and thank you for writing in so often. So those were, yeah, that's that, that's the end of the thank yous. I wanted to wrap those up quick. All right, so let's get to Kyle, who used to have Twitter, got rid of it, got it again, got rid of it again. He writes, hi, Chris. Opposing teams love Joe Barry because he makes Baker Mayfield look like Joe Montana. Matt LaFleur feels like a good coach and the right guy for this team, but if he refuses to make a D coordinator change, what happens? Either magically turns around, LOL, or LaFleur goes down with him in a couple years. This D can't do anything unless they get sacks slash turnovers. The D had the one fumble and forced one punt, the rest were scoring drives, or the end of game drive, which could have put Tampa over 40 had he not slid. Second half possessions for Tampa. Touchdown, 66 yards. Touchdown, 75 yards. Touchdown, 75 yards. Kneel downs. Nothing left to say. Box score doesn't really reflect Love's day. I know the broadcast, which was what? The CBS F crew mentioned the footwork repeatedly, but my God, the mechanics were terrible. Three weeks ago, he was undoubtedly the guy. Now, well, I don't know. Looking at what Minshew did to the Steelers and what O'Connell did to the Chargers, what Love did against... Those teams is way less impressive. I think you hope to get him for around $40 million per with around two years guaranteed. That would be good security while also having a decent out. I still think this team needs an alpha, feed me, diva type wide receiver, but that's an offseason conversation. This whole game felt like karma for that security guard taking Mike Evans' touchdown ball away from that Bucks fan. Real bad look. Lissai, go Pack go. Yeah, you know what's funny? I noticed that live and my wife noticed that live. No one said anything about that on Twitter. And I was like, did any, I'm like, I don't think anybody else noticed it. Did we? Like, that was weird. Like, Evan scored that touchdown and gave it to the fan. And the security guard was trying to, like, why? What the fuck is the security guard trying to, like, dude, give the ball back to the fan. Maybe it was karma, because I thought that was really bad. That was bad from that Lambo security guard. That was really, yeah, that was, can't have that. Unacceptable. He gave that ball to a fan. That's legit. You can do that in the NFL. Don't take the ball. I hope that fan got the ball back. Because that was really that was really dumb from that security guard. Just another security guard on a power trip. Which, unfortunately, you see a lot of if you go to games. But anyway. Um, let's go back to your thoughts. A lot of stuff here. Um, what happens if he refuses to make a change? Well, that's a great question. I don't think they would fire Lafleur. My guess is if he really went to bat, if Barry makes it through the season <laughs> and Lafleur really went to bat for him and said, I am not going to get rid of Joe. I want him to come back. My guess is, and this is only a guess, but they would probably say to him something along the lines of, okay, he gets an extension, but if this thing goes shithouse next year, you and he are both out. I could see them saying something like that to LaFleur if he really went to bat for Barry. But do you really see LaFleur saying that? Like, if they said that to LaFleur, do you really think LaFleur would go, okay, I'm in? 
Like, is he really going to ride with Barry all the way into the ground? I just can't imagine he will. So, but I would guess that would be what the outcome if he if he really did go to bat for him and said, I'm not getting rid of him. Yeah, probably something like that. Um, You're right. They can't do anything unless they get, unless they get big plays. It's right back where it was a couple years ago where if they can't get big plays, they can't get off the field. They can't tackle. They can't cover. Right. It's just, it's all big plays. That's no way to live as a defense. It can't, you can't have that happen. You, you can't rely on that every week. Um, your stats about the second half possessions for Tampa. Holy shit. I didn't realize it was that bad. Um, I think it was CBS's F crew. Matt Ryan was okay, but the guy calling the game was terrible. And Tiki Barber brings nothing to the broadcast. But I think Matt Ryan was all right. He had some interesting stuff. The other two guys I thought were, were goofs. Um, mention the footwork. Yeah, you're right. I talked about it earlier. The footwork was not great. The mechanics were not great. Um, you know, he has that walk. And I mean, he gets, it gets forgotten now because Enigbare bailed him out with the strip sack that put him in position for the, uh, first touchdown, the screen pass to Tucker Kraft, which by the way, the third round curse, I think is over with Tucker Kraft. Yeah. He's a player. He and Musgrave, when they both get on the field at the same time now with where Musgrave was right before he got hurt and with where Kraft is now, like, they're going to have, they're going to really be cooking with evil gas with those two. Kraft, they got something, man. He's a stud. He's going to be a stud. I really believe that. But anyways, it gets forgotten now because of the Anikbari stuff, but they went for it on that fourth down on the first, was it the first possession of the game? Which I hated that call, by the way, but they went for it. He had Reed wide open. You got to make that throw. And he just missed him. You know, the accuracy was off. The mechanics were off. The footwork was off. You're right. It was just it was just two weeks in a row of that from Love. Which is so frustrating considering where things were going after the Chiefs game. Um, Yeah, and I think the hope is around $40 million per. Like I said a minute ago, I think the idea is probably something close to the Daniel Jones extension that he got with the Giants last spring, which was... Four for 160 with, I believe, 82 million guaranteed. Probably something similar. They may kind of lower the guaranteed money. So maybe something like four for 160 with like 75 million guaranteed. Some of those quote unquote guarantees probably come in the form of roster bonuses further on in the contract. Um, My guess is Russ Paul probably structures it. So it's a four year deal. But it's essentially a two-year deal, right? That gives love 2024 and 2025. It kind of lines everything up, right? It gives love 2024 and 2025 to be the guy. To really prove it. And if at the end of 2025, he isn't, right? Because that would be the end of the new president's first year. If he's not the guy by that point, the new president goes, I've been in, I've been in the job for a year I don't like where Love is at. I don't like where LaFleur is at. At that point, they probably clean house. And it's an all-new GM, coach, quarterback trio heading into 2026. That's probably the way they line this up. And if Love is the guy, if he shows it by the end of 20, then they probably rip that deal up and give him a new, really, really long-term extension. But yeah, I would guess about $40 million per is, is the starter for that um, starting point. I would agree with you there. And yeah, it'll probably have a decent out. And again, Love will get 
you know, the 75 million guaranteed isn't all guaranteed, but he probably gets, I don't know, a 30, $32 million signing bonus. So love is definitely going to get paid and the Packers will structure it again. So they have some protection after those first couple of years, if it's not working. Uh, I agree with you. I, you know, I kind of talked about it a, a little bit ago. I think receiver, they need another guy. Yeah. I think they need another guy at wide receiver. Absolutely. You can't hinge us all on Watson staying healthy. Not at this point. Yeah. Thank you for that, Kyle. A lot of great stuff. All right. Our next one comes from Nick. My buddy Nick, who I mentioned a little while ago in Indiana. Nick writes, Lamps, good afternoon slash evening. Hope, it's, hope all is well up by you. The cornfields of Corey didn't whistle with Matt LaFleur cliche excuses. So much has changed in two weeks. Some quick notes. I was happy to hear of the chair fund success. We needed good news in the second half last week. Quick question. What is Matt LaFleur's record on challenges? Interesting that I cringe when he throws the red flag. Love will learn to set his feet and can fix these small opportunities to maximize his game. Still a young team learning. The growth is sometimes fun to watch. Sometimes it makes me full of rage with delay of game penalties. I know the second one was for positioning on the punt. Abandon the run game. Not sure why we'd pull the plug on it after the first drive. At least we had minimal trick plays. Maybe that's what LaFleur meant by things will be different. Again, fire Joe Barry. I'm not sure how this guy has a ticket home, let alone a job. So much talent and flashes on defense. Clark, Gary, Wyatt had a nice game. Van Ness, excellent D-line. Campbell with Quay seemed to be off on comms today, with Ford included. Campbell was not put in position to succeed. We weren't ran on for 150 yards, but Baker Mayfield played the game he will tell his grandchildren about. CBS kindly pointed this out. Barry brought his 2008 Lions playbook, Move Along. <clears throat> Shout out to LTP Nation. Hope the chair is comfortable, my brother. And Merry Christmas to you and your family, as well as everyone in the LTP crowd. Peace, Nick. Well, thank you, Nick. It is comfortable. And Merry Christmas to you and yours as well. All right, so let's get to your thoughts. A lot of stuff here. Um, yeah, you know what? You're right. The run game. I'm glad you brought that up. Aaron Jones, eight carries for 44 yards in the first drive. He gets five more carries for nine yards after that. I don't. I mean, now I know the Tampa pass defense was bad. Is bad, and they were behind for a lot of the game. So you know, it made sense to put the ball in Love's hands for a couple different reasons. But you can't go so far away from the run. How does Aaron Jones only get five carries after that? Five carries. Five carries after that. You know, and only four catches, just not enough. LaFleur, I think, told Larry McCarron the plan was to something of 15 to 20 snaps. Well, he only carried, so seven, so what, 17 touches on 20 snaps? I guess, but I feel like he could have run the ball more. You know? To go with him so heavy to start and then five carries after that is just, that's not enough. And you're right, the cliche excuses. Lafleur gets up there after the game and goes, well, we've got to get him the ball more. Who's we? We? I'm like that gif of the dad from the Fresh Prince. We? Uncle Phil. We? <laughs> we? There's no we. It's you. Get him the ball, Matt. So you're right, the cliche excuses are getting frustrating. Um... And yeah, I mean, I think Love, you know, it's frustrating, but you're right. I mean, it's not like he's miles away. It is probably more of a, a, a minor fixes here and there. But he's got to make those fixes if he's going to take the next step. Yeah, because you can't get by with sloppy mechanics and sloppy footwork. Even Rodgers couldn't get away with that a lot of the time. So, Which, by the way, I do think Love 
has learned some of his shitty habits from Rodgers. Yeah. Directly comes from watching Rodgers for three years. So, all right. Yeah. A lot of good stuff here, Nick. Thank you for all your thoughts. Um, yeah. Good stuff. All right. We move along now to Andy. Is Andy the last one? Let me see here. We got Tim, Kyle, Philip, Rich, Kyle, Ed, Nick. Yeah, Andy. Uh, PB Ziggy slash Andy. Who writes, Matt LaFleur plus Dingleberry equals embarrassing. No fight, no discipline, hard to cheer football. As long as the Matt LaFleur plus Dingleberry show goes on, we'll be rooting for a team that has the softest zone coverage defense in the league, no matter how high we draft single athletes. Allows mediocre has-been QBs to turn into single Sunday Hall of Famers with perfect QBRs. Maintains zero Lambeau Field mystique, which once was a thing. Allows us armchair GMs and coordinators who could easily make more adjustments to stay competitive. I take pride in Green Bay being a small town feel, but it's time to get an owner that isn't afraid of making decisions or change when change is needed. We have been watching the sorry kind of defense year in and year out since Reggie White. I am so sick of being a fan of such a sorry bunch of front office buffoons who are okay with this sort of crap week in and week out. Time to wipe the dingleberry out of the crack of mediocrity. <laughs> Which is the Green Bay Packers regards PB Ziggy slash Andy. All right. <laughs> the crack of mediocrity. That might be a good title for the show. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm just going to title the show Baker Mayfield had a perfect quarterback rating. Spoiler alert. Uh, let's see. Uh, yep. Talked about it. You know, some of this, uh, they are soft. You know, one thing that really became clear to me, they have to completely blow up the safety position. This safety position we knew coming into the year it was going to be bad. It's actually, I think, been worse than I thought it was going to be. Now, they've had injuries and guys moving in and out, but it's just, they have to completely start over at the safety spot. They need at least three new safeties going into next season. Yeah, it's got to be a position they utilize high in the draft, somewhere in those first couple rounds. Maybe even take a couple guys in those first two or three rounds. There's just no playmaking back there at all. None. None. That might help running these soft zones if you had playmakers back there at the safety spots. They don't. That's definitely something that's got to be completely redone. Um. Yeah, and there is no zero. Yeah, there's no Lambo field mystique. No. No, with these soft-ass defenses, no one's afraid to come in. No. They know that, they, that no one's going to punch them in the mouth. There's no fear coming into Lambo field. You're right, a lot of that is that does have to do with shitty defenses. I agree. Um... I don't know about wanting an owner, though. I would disagree with you there. I think owners are mostly bad in pro sports and mostly do bad things. I like the setup we have now. I just think, you know, like I said earlier, there's just such a, like, tendency to kind of, like, stick with the status quo in Green Bay. And I think a lot of that does come from Murphy. So, And Murphy's time is running out, so maybe the next president will be a little different in that regard. That might not be the worst thing. So thank you for that, Andy. Great stuff. Um, all right, so those are all the emails. I told you there was a lot of them. Holy shit, right? An hour and 26 minutes. All right, so that's... Let's see here. We got... I want to make sure I just touched on a lot of the stuff I wanted to. Wix. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, let's move on now to the egg bag. Everybody's favorite, the egg bag. We have two eggs. Our first one... Right? Am I right here on this? Twitter, Twitter DMs, Facebook, email, Igbag, Gene. Yeah. 
All right, our first one comes from Bill Amundsen at Omaha Badger. Mentioned him earlier. So here you go, Bill. Lamps, holy shit. I was so pissed last week I couldn't even write in. Now I am just depressed. That was a monumental turd. Nobody gives up first downs on second and long and third downs better than a Barry defense. I've never seen a team that drops seven or eight into coverage cover nobody better than this defense. As for your question on Love, I think he has a good future. Needs healthy weapons and more consistency on the O-line. Can't imagine the rotating line is helping him be successful. I would sign him. If there isn't a change at D coordinator, this whole staff needs to be gutted. Shows complete lack of leadership from Matt LaFleur if the change isn't made. Any uh, Tells me he isn't the guy. Anyways, hope you have a great Christmas. Can't believe you've been sitting on that stool this whole time. My ass hurts for you. Go back. Go. Well, I'm not sitting on the stool anymore now, Bill. I'm sitting on cushy memory foam. And I'll tell you what, an hour and 27 minutes in, and I feel great. I feel like I could go another half hour. I'm not going to because that's crazy. But I could go another half hour if I needed to. Because this chair that everybody, that all you helped contribute for me to get is so cushy. I could even rest my... Look at... Let me just take it for a second. I just rested my arms with the armrest, and it felt wonderful. So, you know, the stool... Shout out to the stool. The stool did its job for a long time. <laughs> Held up way longer than it had any right to. The stool is in the Basement Packer Room Hall of Fame now. It will not ever really be sat on again, but it's... It's always going to be here. I'll always, have fond mem- I'll always have fond memories of it, even if it hurt. So, all right, let's get to your stuff here, Bill. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I, yeah, you mentioned drop seven or eight into coverage and, and with nobody covering. That's why I said earlier. How can you drop so many guys into coverage and not cover? That seems impossible. With that many guys in coverage, I know there's going to be a couple of soft spots in the zone or weak spots, but every spot in that zone is a weak spot. With that many guys in coverage, it's inexcusable. They'd be better off just playing man and blitzing the shit out of the opposing quarterback, and if he beats you, he beats you. I feel like that would help these corners, especially Valentine and Valentine and Nixon. You know, and Stokes, who didn't look great, I don't think, in his first game back. You know? Just just have the corners come up and press and blitz. And if you get beat, you get beat. If you get beat deep, you get beat deep. But wouldn't you rather go down swinging than this? God, I sure as hell would. Um, he's talking about my question I said on Twitter after the game, how do you feel about love if the baseline is the Daniel Jones four for 160 with 80, 75 million guaranteed? And he said he feels good. And I, I was surprised a lot of fans are actually still very much in on love, even after these last couple weeks. I was a little bit surprised by that, but yeah. Um, he does need healthy weapons. That's the biggest thing. And again, is that going to be Christian Watson? I don't know. So to just say, well, they're going to roll with, you know, keep this group and roll forward with it. I'm not sure that's great. Wix is awesome. Wix is another one. He's going to be a study at a great game today playing, you know, less than a hundred percent. So they've got some guys who are really developing, but I still think they need one more big time guy, especially if Watson is going to be in and out of the lineup like this. So I think they're close though, at the very least. So thank you for that, Bill. And hope you and your family have a great Christmas as well. All right, everybody. We've come now to the Josh part of the show. I got my setup man, Josh, and my closer, Gene. Let's go. I haven't read what Josh wrote. I don't know what this is going to be. It's going to be exciting, though. I'm pretty sure it's going to be exciting and vivid and descriptive. (laughs) So Josh writes, Good afternoon, Lamps. Welcome back to the Joe Barry Experiment, a magical place where Baker Mayfield fist fucks your secondary. (laughs) 
with 381 yards passing and four touchdowns as your defensive coordinator, stays in a prevent defense for three hours. And with that, Joe Barry is back to his mouth-breathing ways, inappropriately sniffing family members, and pile-driving this once-proud franchise back into the fucking ground. That's why Joe always belonged manually masturbating caged animals for artificial insemination for a living, not working in 1265 Lombardi. God help us. Oh, no. At this point, we'd be better off with little Wayne in the booth calling the defense in this numbnuts. How awesome would that be, by the way? Lil Wheezy, three sheets to the wind on that good cush and alcohol, mindlessly blitzing Quay up the cut on every down. At least we'd have a puncher's chance with that strategy. Again, Baker fucking Mayfield, 22 of 28, 381 yards, four touchdowns, top 10 pick. Here we come, Josh. Josh. First of all, I know Fist Fox has never been used on the show before. So, that's definitely a first. And your clerk's reference was not lost on me, the uh, manually, whatever, caged animals for artificial insemination. That is, of course, a reference to the legendary Kevin Smith film Clerks. So, I, I caught that, and that was extremely appreciated, especially this late in the show. That was a great reference. Um, I, Little Wayne would be fun. It would be interesting. Yeah, yeah, be yeah. That's why it's like the Al Harris thing. Like people go, well, Al Harris, you know, doesn't really have that that much experience. He's just mostly coached DBs, and I'm like, yeah, but but he's done a great. Look at what he did in Dallas. He's done in Dallas. They've been their DBs have been great. Now they got rolled up on today by Buffalo, but they've been great this year. Like, and you know, Al's going to go down swinging. You know, Al is not going to be passive. Al Dirty Harris is not going to be passive or soft. He is going to be aggressive through and through. And go down swinging. So, you know, why not? I think I think Al Harris would be an awesome choice. A really cool outside-the-box choice, too. In a place that he knows and loved for so long. Yeah, I'd be all for it. I don't know about Lil Wayne, but I'd be all for it with Al Harris. So thank you, Josh. Josh, just always very vivid and descriptive. And you paint such a wonderful, <laughs> clear picture with your words. Not, not, there's not much, you know what I mean? You kind of just put it all out there. The picture is very clear is what I'm trying. Not a lot of squinting or like, what's he saying there? What does he mean? I know what you mean. So thank you, Josh. All right. So that's Twitter, DMs, Facebook, email, Igbag. We go to Gene now, who closes the show and gets the hammer. My former, one of my other former Old Bag of Donuts podcast co-hosts, Gene Bossling. Let's go. Destroy this defensive coaching staff. Blow it up. Do not give scholarships to anybody. <laughs> if they want to keep a guy like Jason Rebrovich, I'd hear an argument for that. But he need to show he can work in a new scheme because this one cannot stay. Look around the league. The Eagles just quietly took play calling duties away from Sean Desai, who runs this scheme. He's in his first year there, and they're already pulling the plug. The Rams are 19th in the league in points allowed. The Dolphins hired Vic Fangio, and they're 21st. The Vikings won 13 games a year ago, fired Ed Donatel anyway, and are hanging around the playoff race because they went a completely different direction with Brian Flores. Brandon Staley was the star of this thing with the Rams. He lost his job this week. The Fangio stuff had a nice run and it worked for a while, but it's been figured out. It's time to move on. And if they won't, 
Mark Murphy needs to stop making ceremonial appearances and start asking some big questions about whether this has turned into too much of a country club. Wasn't this reporting structure supposed to prevent that? I think they'll realize they have no choice, but this can't be a matter of redecorating the room. They have to demo it and rebuild. There are too many good players on this defense for it to be this toothless. Maybe this is a good thing at the end. The playoffs would be fun, and heck, they could still go. But when you get torn apart by Baker Mayfield, there's nowhere left to hide. Joe Barry Carroll was an NBA center in the 1980s. He does not work for the Green Bay Packers. No later than mid-January, because let's be honest, this thing ain't going further than that. Joe Barry needs to have the same employment relationship with the Packers as Joe Barry Carroll. Boom! Gene, bam, we're closing it out strong. That was a strong final statement for the questions and comments part of the show, which has gone on almost an hour and 20 minutes now. Um, yeah, I, you know, I didn't realize that about the Rams and the Dolphins being so bad in points allowed with, uh, with, with running the Fangio scheme, but I mean, it makes sense. It does kind of feel like the league as a whole has figured this thing out, which tends to happen. How many great defenses are great forever? You know, look at Dom Capers with the zone blitz stuff back in the early nineties. That was viewed as revolutionary. And then everybody figured that out. Like, Nothing stays unfigured out for long. <laughs> you know what I mean? These coaches are all lunatics. They, like, live in bunkers and sleep in their offices, offensive and defensive coaches. Like, everything gets figured out eventually. The weakness in the Death Star is always found. Um. So you're right, and you're right about the Vikings. They did. Flores was such a cool outside-of-the-box, you, know, th- you know, you didn't think they were going to hire him. Flores is a great... Now, he's obviously got a proven track record and is a great defensive coach, but I don't think people thought Minnesota would go that way. And they did, and look at look at how well it's worked out for them. So that's why I say something like Al Harris might work out for the Packers. You know? Outside the box thinking. It could work. Why not? It is time to move on from the scheme. You're right. It's not working. It's not working. Um, And you're right about Murphy. You know, I talked about this a couple times tonight. That's a big problem with this organization is that it does feel like a country club. You know, too many guys keep their jobs for too long who have no business keeping their jobs. But they win enough and, you know, the cash registers ring at the pro shop and the Hall of Fame and, you know, the hotels can charge $300 a night for two night minimums and everything is fine. There's been that thing in Green Bay for a while now. You know, there's been that thing of like, Good enough is good enough, which is not what the Packers are supposed to be about. It's title town, not make the playoffs town. So I agree with you, you know, if if they're not going to switch things up, it might be time for Barry, for Murphy. I, I feel like Murphy at this point is probably just trying to run out the clock, you know, and get to the draft in 2025 when he can have his big ceremonial goodbye and hand the, hand the whatever it is off to the next guy. <laughs> um. Because you're right, there are there are good players. There are good players on this defense. I keep saying it. People go, no, there aren't. Yes, there are. Clark is a good player. Wyatt has potential. Gary is all world. Van Ness has potential. Preston is good. Enigbare is good. Quay has potential. You know? Ja, when he's healthy. You know, Stokes has shown flashes. Like... There's potential in this group. You're right. There's too many good players for it to be this bad and this soft. I totally agree with you. 
So yeah, great stuff, buddy. Hell of a final statement for tonight. I really appreciate it. Great stuff. You came in strong. All right. So I'm just going to make sure that's everything I wanted to talk about because I know we got Twitter, the DMs, Facebook, the email, Igbag and Gene. Okay. Yeah. I feel like we got to everything we wanted to talk about tonight. So that's great. All right. So let's close up the bags now. Thanks to everyone who wrote in. I know it's not always fun after a game like today's, but you know, then again, maybe it helps you to write in too. I imagine it probably does on some level. We look ahead now to next week. The Packers will be back in action, back out on the road, heading down to Charlotte, North Carolina for a Christmas Eve afternoon game with the Carolina Panthers. That one is set for a noon Lambeau time kickoff next Sunday at Bank of America Stadium. The Panthers, I mean, look, it's been a disaster for them this season, right? They're 2-12. and Bryce Young hasn't looked the part of a number one overall draft pick. They fired their head coach, Frank Reich. Did that already. It's just been a train wreck. However, they did defeat the Atlanta Falcons 9-7 on Sunday, so there is that. But yeah, Young hasn't thrown a touchdown in almost a month. It'll be over a month by the time kickoff comes Sunday. Um, Adam Thielen has had a solid season for them at 33 years old. But you know what? I'm not going to say anything else about the Panthers, okay? They stink. They suck. They stink. The Panthers, the Packers, excuse me, should win this game going away. No excuses. None. Get this shit done. Even if weird stuff has happened in Carolina, like the infamous Brad Hoover Monday Night Football game. I don't care. Get it done. And I'll be back to recap that one. Win, lose, or draw. Okay, so I don't know exactly when that show is going to be. I don't know when it's going to happen just yet. I am aiming to have it done Christmas Eve sometime in the early evening. So it can hopefully be available to you either Christmas Eve night or Christmas morning. But to be honest, I'm not quite sure on any of that just yet. Christmas is tricky, as I'm sure all of you can relate, or most of you can relate. So there's a chance it won't be available till the morning of the 26th, too. That is possible. But either way, I am going to do a show. So even if there's a slight delay, do not panic. The show is happening. Like Santa Claus himself, your pal lamps will deliver. So keep your eyes and your ears open for that one. And yes, I'll absolutely 100% keep you posted. So until next time, whenever that may be, I am Chris Lampasis. This has been Lamps Talking Pack. Thank you so very much for listening, Packer Nation. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yes, even the two of you taking selfies the entire show. Please stay safe out there in this crazy world. And remember, always and forever, go Pack. Go.